This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Hi, I'm Susie Garden, and this is the Ageless and Awesome podcast. I'm an age-defying naturopath and clinical nutritionist, and I'm here to bust myths around women's health and aging so that you can be ageless and awesome in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. The Ageless and Awesome podcast is dedicated to helping women through perimenopause and menopause with great health, a positive mindset, and outrageous confidence. Hit subscribe or follow now, and let's get started. Hello, gorgeous one, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast. This is number two in my skin series, and... This week, it's kind of a bit of a technical minefield, but I'm hopeful that I can make this as easy and interesting to understand as I can, because it really is important that we understand our bodies and what's going on with our hormones. And this week, I'm talking about something called the estro or estroestrobolome. Estrobolome. See, it's really hard to say. <laughs> estrobolome. And... Um, something that you may have heard about. I'm not sure. I'd be interested to know if you'd actually heard about it. Please feel free to DM me at Susie Garden Wellness on Instagram, because I'd be really curious to see if this is something that you have actually even heard of or not. Um, essentially, let's get straight into it. The estrobolome is a collection of bacteria in the gut that metabolizes and modulates the body's circulating estrogen. So that kind of makes sense when you think it's called the estrobolome. This impacts our estrogen levels and therefore it influences our weight, our libido and our mood amongst many other things. So it's really quite important to us and particularly if it's something you've never heard of before, it's really important that you know about it. And you probably haven't heard about it before because it's actually a relatively new concept or discovery along with a lot of the stuff that we have around microbiome research, is that we really have only been seeing good published data 
for a relatively short amount of time. So let's talk a little bit about the estrobolum. So when the gut microbiome is healthy, so when there's diversity, where there, for you, how you would experience a healthy microbiome is you wouldn't have constipation or diarrhea, you wouldn't have bloating, you wouldn't have excessive burping or flatulence or any pain. That is probably how you as a, as just a person would experience a fairly normal, healthy microbiome. However, sometimes dysbiosis, which is that imbalance of the beneficial and the not so beneficial bacteria, sometimes it can be completely asymptomatic. So, you know, if you feel like there may be an issue, it's probably a good idea to get your microbiome tested and you can do that. I mean, I would always say go through a nutritionist or naturopath who's trained in this and that can help you interpret it and can help you bring in the, you know, the needed lifestyle and dietary um, changes. Uh, But you can very easily get these tests done uh, online on your own. So yeah, there's something you could try. They're quite expensive. So you want to make sure you get the right one that's going to give you the information you're actually looking for. But I'm digressing. So when the gut microbiome is healthy, the estrobolome is producing optimal levels of a particular enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. So the name of it's not so important, but it, it is a really important enzyme. And when there's too much of this enzyme, and I see this a lot in people with chronic constipation when I do gut microbiome testing, and I see these elevated levels of beta-glucuronidase, it's almost always in people with chronic constipation. And when there is too much of this enzyme, our estrogen levels become unbalanced. And this is how. So when the liver metabolizes estrogen, it's excreted through the bile and into the gut for removal from the body as a waste product. Because the estrogen's been used, it becomes a waste product. So we want to get it out in through the feces. And that's you know one of the reasons why if you're chronically constipated, you can get elevations in or problems rather with um, your hormones. So when the estrobolome is healthy, it minimizes the reabsorption of estrogen from the gut so that it can be excreted, right, in the feces. But when there's an imbalance in the gut microbiome and there's this excess of bacteria that produces beta-glucuronidase, then that estrogen can be absorbed back into the bloodstream, resulting in what we call a relative estrogen excess, Now, you may have heard the term estrogen dominance. We don't use that term anymore. We call it relative estrogen excess. And if you've got this elevated beta-glucuronidase, if you're reabsorbing your estrogen because you're not getting your wastes out of the body pretty regularly, um, then this uh, has been associated with things like PMS, with obesity, with estrogen-related cancers, um, specifically breast cancer and some prostate cancer. So yes, this impacts men as well. Um, Endometriosis has been associated with this, infertility, mood changes, heart disease, and skin issues via the gut-skin axis. So research is ongoing in the skin microbiome and this gut-skin axis. However, this is what we know. So what we know is the skin microbiome. So again, microbiome is just a collection of microorganisms that lives on the skin. And we have this on our skin. We don't even know it's there, but I can assure you it is there. And if you do have skin issues, it's probably because there's a disruption in that microbiome. 
This is what influences that microbiome. So it's shaped by our age, changes as we go through different life stages, um, our genetics, our sex, our immunity, our hormones, whether we're sleeping well or not, stress and how we manage that, and our metabolism. Plus, it's also influenced by our sun exposure, our hygiene, uh, our beauty routines, and what you're putting on your skin, and of course, your nutrition. Everything comes back to nutrition, right? So there's a huge number of factors that influence our skin microbiome, and some of them we can modify, like sun exposure, but some of them we can't. Like we can't change our, our sex, we can't change our age, we can't change our um, genetics. So yeah, there's some things we can change, some things we can't. So this is what I'm focusing on with this podcast is what can we do to change these things? But before, I want to just give you a little bit more information about it. So estrogens, our normal estrogen that we produce, they regulate the gut microbiome in a really positive way by increasing the diversity of the gut microbiome, because we know that we want more diversity in our gut microbiome rather than less diversity, which is why if you're having long-term antibiotic usage, that really can deplete your gut bacteria. Obviously, if you need the antibiotics, take them. I'm not against antibiotics when they're needed, but it's something to just be thinking about if you are taking long-term antibiotics. I did have someone the other day come through clinic that had been on antibiotics for acne in the past for something like it was either two years or three years and she said it it, I don't know how she managed to be on them for this long but she said it kind of got a little bit overlooked um so she was on them for a really long period of time uh and she just kept taking them because they kept being prescribed so um anyway this these kind of things deplete your microbiome but we want diversity when we have um that increased diversity, it gives us much more health in our microbiome. So estrogens regulate the microbiome by increasing the diversity of of it and also enhancing the enzymes that metabolize estrogen, such as beta-glucuronidase that I mentioned before. And dysbiosis, so that imbalance of beneficial and not so beneficial bacteria, dysbiosis in the skin microbiome can lead to acne, can lead to dermatitis and psoriasis. And there are some fantastic probiotics now for acne. If you do have a teenager with acne, please explore this with a practitioner. Um, And same as if you've got adult acne, it may be that probiotics could be the, the magic pill that helps your skin dramatically. Uh, estrogen also maintains skin hydration. It enhances the immune response and maintains the outer protective layer of the skin. So these are some of the direct benefits of estrogen on the skin and why you can see that there would be skin changes. For example, if skin hydration is um, maintained by estrogen, you can see that drop in estrogen that we get in perimenopause and in menopause can really enhance, or sorry, really you can see that dehydration going on because of that estrogen dropping. Um, So in the context of perimenopause and menopause, where estrogen levels are declining, especially in later perimenopause, how can we support our estrogen? Because I've shown you like it's really, really important. It's important um, from the from the uh, perspective of making sure that we're not reabsorbing our old estrogen that has been scheduled to leave the body and that we can 
maintain as much of our estrogen production as possible, obviously in the context of going through a life stage where estrogen is dropping. So one of the main things, and it's something you probably absolutely have heard of, is phytoestrogens. Um, so that's estrogen found in plant plants or plant foods um, specifically. And I'm just about to give you now a whole list of foods that are phytoestrogens. And just a little caveat here, in peri- and postmenopausal women, estrogens tend to increase our estrogen immeasurably. Whereas in younger women, it can actually decrease estrogen. So you do need to be aware of your life stage and whether or not this is appropriate for you. And of course, this is always general advice, (laughs) always uh, not tailored to your specific circumstances. But here are some of the phytoestrogens that you'd be probably eating every day. And if you're not, I'm sure it's very easy to include these. So things like sunflower seeds, almonds and flax seeds. So you may have heard of something called LSA linseeds, sunflower seeds, and almonds. So flax seeds and linseeds are the same thing. So having LSA in your smoothie every day or your porridge, super easy. Um, Or just eating some sunflower seeds and and almonds. Um, Pistachios, also phytoestrogens, uh, sesame seeds, wheat germ, rye, quinoa, uh, barley, oats. Also soy. So soy is a little controversial uh, in the natural health space. Uh, for me personally, I think if you if you don't have a thyroid issue, if you have a thyroid issue, you do have to be very careful with soy. I would go for very high quality soy. Organic soy is very easy to get, like organic tofu, for example, is a good one. Uh, if you're looking at soy milk, go for the most natural soy milk made from whole soybeans, not the isolate. Um, when you're looking at your labels, if it says soy protein isolate, don't go for that one. Go for whole soybeans. Go for ones that don't have any numbers in them, no preservatives. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to find good soy, soy milk. So yeah, soy milk, tofu, tempeh, um, miso, fantastic phytoestrogen sources and legumes. So this is where the plant-based diet really shines is of course the legumes are generally speaking the the protein options for vegetarians and vegans, also uh, tofu and other soy products. But in terms of legumes, particularly your chickpeas, your lentils, your red kidney beans and split peas amongst others are awesome phytoestrogens. And even if you're not plant-based, these are so good for you, not just for the phytoestrogenic potential, but because they are fantastic fiber as well. And that's my next point is to make sure you're having enough fiber. Because as I mentioned, if you have issues with getting waste products out of your body, specifically constipation, then fiber is one of the first things that you'll be directed to do. Whether you're seeing a medical doctor or a nutritionist or a dietitian or a naturopath, we're always going to say increase your fiber. And you can do that through these plant-based foods. These legumes in particular are great. Um, they Fiber also will reduce the beta-glucuronidase activity. So that's really important if you do have elevated beta-glucuronidase. Um, hydration, always hydration. That will help reduce constipation. It will help hydrate the skin, help get the waste products out of your body. Moving the body, also fantastic for uh, improving your estrobolum, 
again, it's great for getting waste products out of your body. The movement does help um, with things like constipation, improving your stress resilience. This is because of our gut-brain connection. We know that if we are stressed, it is impacting our gut health. So building stress resilience through breathing, through movement, through meditation, through being in nature, all of these things will help. Also, making sure your sleep is good. I've spoken about this quite a bit, but yeah, and particularly as you know, if you are experiencing perimenopause or menopause, sleep can be such a challenge. So go back through my catalog. I've got quite a number of podcasts on sleep and how to improve your sleep and also maintaining a healthy body weight. This is key for so many reasons, but maintaining a healthy body weight will really improve your gut health. It improves your stress resilience, it improves your self-esteem, it improves your ability to move, it improves your gut health, so many things. So I hope you have enjoyed the podcast today. It was pretty heavy going in uh, the technical terms, but at the end of the day, just understanding your body is so important, I think, for long-term health and well-being. So I've made this as short as possible and just really focusing on some fairly basic principles with regard to this, but I would love to hear your thoughts and I'd love to continue this conversation. So either at Susie Garden Wellness on Instagram, or if you're listening on Spotify, you'll see there's a little button down the bottom where you can leave a comment or you can ask a question. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Ageless and Awesome podcast. If you liked today's episode, please make sure you click the little plus button if you're on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're on Spotify so that you can get each new episode delivered to you every single week. If you like free stuff and who doesn't, then head over to suzygarden.com and grab my eight essential age-defying secrets every woman over 40 should know right now. Or if you'd like to continue the discussion, head over to Instagram and DM me at Wellness. I'd love to connect with you.